This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 16 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about chiropractics for horses, massage therapy for horses, great grooming tools and products, and in our critter nutrition, we're going to talk about intuition. Tigger Montague. And this is Patty Perucci. And you're listening to Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. You know, <laughs> Patty, I was just yes, thinking Dee. that before you start the show, you have coffee, I have chocolate. You know, <laughs> there's something about the combination that's kind of, I don't know, magical. I know. And I was thinking, um, I'm as you know, I'm not the biggest chocolate fan, but if I could have a little chocolate with my coffee, I may be even happier. I don't and know. Jennifer has an apple. I know. That what's up with lame, that? Lame. Lame. I know. It sounds so healthy. You know, the only reason I have an apple is the chocolate that I bought when I went to the grocery store last Friday. Oh, you can't buy it at the grocery store. Why oh, not? Jennifer, where, use where else can you get co- chocolate? <laughs> I can't go to Brazil and pick coffee, chocolate beans or something. <laughs> where I do you get your chocolate? Amazon. She probably gets it from Amazon. <laughs> It's Swiss chocolate. Oh my gosh! See, I'm not a chocolate snob. I grew up, I grew up right down the street from Hershey, Hershey, Pennsylvania. I was just gonna say, yeah. I like junk food chocolate, and I'm sorry, I'm proud of it. <laughs> I'm okay with junk food chocolate, and I bought myself some Reese's peanut butter cups, and I ate them all before the show. Okay, they no. didn't last until Tuesday. Okay. Okay, no, they're yeah, those are my favorite. They don't. You last. win. Yeah, you win. They You're, don't you win. Of course, Patty had Nutella. Which is, I, is, it, is Nutella it. really chocolate? I don't think it is. No, it's hazelnut. I don't really think it's chocolate. I, um, it has the I, same I, effect, I, though, doesn't it? I, I, I guess. I mean, it's not, again, I can't eat that much of it. Um, but I, the first time I ever had it, I was in Holland. And I was just like, and everybody was Me raving too. about it. Yeah, and I was like, this I've is gross. Um, but my kids love it. Ray loves it on um, waffles. He'll put it on waffles. I love it on a spoon. Well, yeah. I eat Ritter Sport. What's a who's a? What? <laughs> it's called Ritter Sport. Why have heard of that? I it's... thought that was a type of sneaker. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have the most beautiful, silky, melt in your mouth milk chocolate that you only need to have one or two, you know, pieces and you are so deeply satisfied and the serotonin is flooding your brain and everything is all right with the world. In fact, I think we could solve the world's problems with Ritter Sports. <laughs> I wish I liked chocolate that much because like you just made me want to like it better. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know. We might, we might have to put a rating on the front page of this uh, podcast. Wow. Talk about food okay. Steer her way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like me some dark chocolate though. That stuff that's like seventy or eighty percent. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's yummy. Strong. Yeah, I yeah. like that. And that's the healthiest chocolate yeah. for you. It's mighty tasty too. Yeah, I I can do like you know, what are those ones? Um, I guess they're just like regular Hershey's milk chocolate. I like milk chocolate, I guess. Just but my version. favorite, honest and truly, is Reese's peanut butter cups. Those are my all time. It is the, the ultimate ones- chocolate product. Pop them it right is. in your mouth, and I think I don't know. I don't care what anybody says. It has to be good for you. It has to be. It makes you feel good. It, can it releases it, yeah. serotonin. Like I'm using one of Tigger's big words. It releases serotonin, <laughs> so it's good for you. There you go. I learned a big word today. You did learn a big word. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of really, really big words, uh, we've got a guest coming up here soon that's going to use some really big and interesting words. So uh, why don't we get on with that? Oh, let's do. This episode's special guest segment is brought to you by Warhorse, naturally aggressive and fiercely kind.
And we're here with Mike Bushcall, who, in my opinion, is an equine chiropractor extraordinaire. <laughs> um, the work he has done has uh, blown me away on many occasions. And and I think, and you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, that a lot of your um, technique and intuition, uh, your basic training was as a human chiropractor. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. So you started as a human chiropractor, and what what made you sort of alter your course? Well, I've uh, been involved with horses my whole life. I, I grew up with them, and I just basically wouldn't know what to do without them. And um, I, uh, in my, as I worked on people, I sort of played with working on horses. And, um, you know, it was sort of like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then um, I think it was 1999, I took... Um, there's a, the, the major accrediting, accrediting, uh, force in, in, uh, animal chiropractic is the ABCA, American Veterinary Chiropractic Association. And, um, I began taking their course and, um, uh, it really, you know, I guess piqued my interest. And, uh, uh, as, after I completed that course, I started doing courses took a day off during the week to do horses and did horses on the weekend and then snuck in an evening. And pretty soon I saw that where my real passion was. And, and certainly I I derived a lot of joy from working on people. Uh, but I, I I think I found my true, true calling with the horses. And and, um, I've been doing just about exclusively horses now. So for like the last 16 or 17 years. So Mike, one of the things that, um, really interests us is the relationship between um, the body work that you do and and what you find in the body most common that may be out of balance or out of whack and, you know, may be an inflammatory response. What, what, what well, can I'll you say, tell us about that? You know, what I do is, is very intimately linked to that. Um, are you familiar with uh, <clears throat> Michael Pollan's book, uh, um, In Defense of Food? My Bible. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, you know, in there, he basically he has what he calls the theory of everything, which is pretty much about inflammation, and it's uh, it's the balance of AA versus EPA, and, and um, uh, you know, it's all about blocking. We, we all hear about. Uh, Blocking the COX, you know the COX two inhibitors. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's also the LOX, the, the LOXs that uh, yep. that cause inflammation. And uh, so, um, you know, Tigger, I know there certainly has an intimate knowledge of the level of inflammation that is created by step one, uh, taking a herd animal and and confining it. You know, there's always there's yep. a, a there's a low grade level of inflammation that goes on you know, probably from the time the horse is a weanling to the rest of his life. And, and, um, uh, the, the, the approach that I use on the horses is, uh, is based on, uh, I was very influenced by some, there are some, some engineers in, in, uh, human chiropractic that, uh, are, are very, you know, purist engineers. And, and, um, I, I have, uh, after, you know, studying their work for quite some time, I've, I've really gone down the road that, that, uh, you know, you, you kind of think in, in chiropractic and body, body work, that there's the central nervous system and you got to take the pressure off the nerves or the stretch off the nerves. And, uh, it's actually a little more complicated than that. Um, the, uh, the, the, the most, you know, some of the best new research indicates that the planes of fascia in the body or actually uh uh fascia and collagen have uh uh crystalline structures within within the collagen that are pressure sensitive and i don't know if you've ever heard the word piezoelectricity which is pressure induced electricity uh-uh. um, the uh, collagen and, and the fascia in the body actually uh they're finding out is an extension of the nervous system and so the nervous wow. system goes into the hoofs, into the ears, into the everything. And it's a big web. And uh, uh, if, I don't know if you've ever seen the book, uh, Anatomy Trains About People. Very good book showing that when I do something with my left hand, my, my right foot is very much involved with that and everything mm-hmm. between those two. It's, it's, a, it's a chain of events that happens. And 
that extends actually into the, the spinal canal. Um, um, I try to tell people to think of the brain and the nervous system. That's the life. And uh, the rest of the body is a machine designed to support that life. And um, the, 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 uh, for example, the, the tissues of the, of the cord um, can uh, stand, uh, I think it's uh, the weight of a lead pencil, five milligrams of mercury, uh, on that tissue for uh, for two hours will shut the function of that tissue <gasps> down by wow. uh, 40%. Wow. 40%. It's, it's almost an So what happens when you put a saddle on a horse? Well, it uh, depends how well it fits. <laughs> um, the, you know, the, the best of saddles, um, uh, best of saddles really distribute force in, and uh, I am very much in favor. You'll see saddle fitters that uh, fit the saddle uh, by watching the horse in motion. I, I always cringe a little bit when I see a saddle fitter spending hours measuring a horse that hasn't moved a muscle because on the first step, that entire superstructure is going to be something entirely different. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that's the important thing is, is that there's a con- that, that, that force when the rider sitting in the saddle rolls right out the back of the saddle and uh it's like you're if you walked around uh uh well like for example uh this whole fascia system that i'm talking about can you um, explain just very quickly for our listeners what the fascia is yeah yes uh, very simply if you ever uh bought a piece of meat in the grocery store piece of beef perhaps and you know there's a white filmy thing that separates uh a tissue that separates the, the different pieces of the roast or the steak into very distinct round looking pieces, that white stuff. Uh, Patty? That sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. a vegetarian. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <don't> identify. <laughs> uh, that that's fascia and yeah. uh, fascia uh, in the horse fascia is especially important because it's designed actually as uh, to store kinetic energy and actually to propel the horse. And as horses oh, wow. have evolved, oh, wow. the, over the years, uh, it's the horses that were able to uh, store energy in uh, in their fascia uh, as the feet are placed on the ground, as the you know the back feet are placed, let's say, then you, the front feet come off the ground. The fascia, for example, well, current research indicates that about 40% of the propulsion of the horse that goes forward and the dressage horse that goes forward in his canter is coming from uh, pure fascia and only 60% is coming from muscular effort. Wow. Um, uh, that's very, amazing. That is amazing. So, Mike, you, uh, if you, sorry, when you're working on a horse and, and, and you work on a lot of dressage horses, is fascia in you know the hindquarters one of the biggest areas of inflammation or is that not related? You know, uh, the fascia around as the parts become smaller and more mobile, i.e. at the stifle on down, uh, you've got something that weighs hundreds of pounds being supported by uh, little three and a half foot crowbars. And so there's a great deal of force exerted. And, and uh, that's the beauty of fascia and muscle up in the hindquarter. Uh, there's enough flesh there to absorb uh, absorb the force. But then uh, as the horse has evolved for speed, as you get down to where those legs are designed to be very light, so that they can be moved very quickly, and they do act as levers or crowbars. So there's a great deal of strain right there um, where where the hip meets the stifle and the hock and on down. And I honestly, uh, yes, there, there's inflammation there always. Uh, I think um, the number one area of uh, inflammation in the horse is the neck, uh, and especially uh, with the neck joins the rib cage. Um, you have a uh, you have very small, freely movable vertebra with a weight extended on the end of it, the head, uh, joining a very rigid body. You've got uh, 18 thoracic vertebra, uh, you know, held semi-rigid within a rib cage. And um, the the rib cages, if you look at, if you were to look at the skeleton of a horse, you, you'd, if I ask you, where do you think the kinetic energy is stored in the structure? Everybody would say. I think the rib, the rib cage, it looks just like a spring. Um, right. So we have a lot of power there, and it meets the neck at C7, uh, T1, the first thoracic vertebra. And uh, there was, uh, years ago, I think he's actually dead even now, uh, one of the most brilliant human 
spinal researchers there ever was was uh, a, a guy named Kirkcaldy Willis. He was a he was a surgeon up in Canada, and uh, the guy was Mister Spine, and and he was just so into it that he he just had to find out, and he went and did a bunch of cadaver studies on on horses, um, and found that the the areas of greatest wear and tear on the horse is C7 T1 junction where the neck hooks onto the rib cage, wow. uh, roughly T12 through T15, which is sort of the universal joint that turns right underneath the rider's seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then where, where, where the, uh, where the, uh, lumbar spine meets the sacrum, uh, L7 hooking onto the sacrum. That of course is, is the spring that turns the power from the, from the, uh, hindquarters and transmits it down the spine toward the ears and, and uh, wow. I, I think it's amazing you look at horses, yeah it is although, it's it's like it's you think of all this stuff that's going on and you know underneath your saddle that's just amazing so that. mike since since the neck is is a place where you see so much inflammation what um other than you know obviously regular chiropractic care what do you recommend um, to help the horses when you're not there? Well, uh, you know, uh, of course, the number one thing is, uh, number one and two thing is going to be nutrition and movement. And, uh, you know, we can get into that more in, in a bit. Uh, but there are other things, too, uh, of course, like uh, stress control. Um, Tigger, you, of course, are sort of like uh, the Starship Enterprise out there on the leading edge where... <laughs> Or, uh, where you're looking at, uh, you're looking at, uh, uh you know, a lot the effect of things. Of, well, that's her. She's, uh, she's kinda, Starship she's Enterprise. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Just call me Spock. More, I was going to say she's more like Spock than Kirk, I think. Yeah. Like oh, amen. I would be um, Kirk, just so you know. Uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like it, actually. No, you'd yeah. be. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you know uh, how uh, you know Tiggers is the only one in horse nutrition that's talking about ashwagandha for for the uh, pituitary gland and for the adrenal glands and and uh, you know you've got uh, if you you know I'm, I'm sorry but people just don't think about it uh, that that horse is in that stall and there is a part of him every minute that he's in the stall that's thinking well I don't know if maybe today's the day the wolf is going to come over the top right. today maybe sometime and they're going to eat me and well, that's it. Cause I can't go anywhere. And that produces a constant, uh, low grade production of cortisol and adrenaline and related hormones. And, and, uh, so there's all that, all the management thing. Uh, and speaking of management, by the way, I'm talking to you right now from SBS farms in Buffalo, New York. Oh, where, Jennifer. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Jennifer Afano is, is, is very close to one of the best horse managers that I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. uh, the way she can reduce stress and rebuild horses. And in fact, um, you know, we're talking, I'm talking about engineers that have influenced me in my work. And uh, there's actually three riders that are uh, joint friends of ours, Tiggers, that, that I have uh, watched very closely and, and how they handle horses has really influenced me, how, how I, release mechanical stress from the horses. I tend to work on horses as they're moving rather than standing still, kind of like the saddle fitters. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jennifer Alfano and our friend um, uh, Shannon Peters and our yeah. friend Nicole Smith are three people that I regularly see take horses that have been grown into hamburger and they rebuild them into champions. And, uh, 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 you know, that, that the management part is a huge thing. Uh, and then getting back to to uh, uh, movement, um, you know that, that, that I mean, goes like the way we is, ride them or the way we train them, that certainly has to have some or a lot of effect on the neck. Oh, and I think you can. For me, you can very the the hallmark of the quality of the training going on is to look at the quality of the neck muscles. If you see. Uh, uh, stringy muscles, you know, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the, in the, uh, cranial third of the neck, uh, if they're stringy and uneven and, and it looks like a bunch of bands as the horse moves, or you know, you'll see the horses that are, uh, broken over at C3, C4 area, and they've got a big slab of sort of false muscle sitting and floating on top of the neck, sort of like a, a big cap, or, uh, you'll see, 
um, you know, of course, the, the overdeveloped underneath muscles. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you start if you start to look really closer, you know, people talk about the prophet's thumbprint in the neck. Um, you know, you know those little. I don't know what that is. Uh, you, you know, you see a lot of horses, especially thoroughbreds, that have like a little dent in oh, the yeah. uh, brachiosphalicus muscle uh, down on the underside of the neck. And yeah. uh, those very visible dents are, they, they say, from uh, when, the, when the horse was a foal in the womb, there was a hind foot touching against that as well. Right. Make that. But if you if you look at the quality of, of necks and horses, uh, you'll see smaller versions of them start throughout the chest and the underside of the neck. And these are all indications of extreme inflammation. Uh, uh, you know, the, the force of a giant hindquarters being driven forward and not released properly out the front end. Um, and uh, I, I spend more, more and more time uh, working on the neck. Uh, where I've, you know, kind of manufactured some mechanical tools to create certain levels of vibration that reliquify those tissues and Actually, I just uh, I actually had a bad injury myself, and I just bought a, a cold laser for that, and I've been using it on the horses. And, and uh, the the effect of a laser is to increase uh, uh, the ATP production of cells, so that cells can turn over and repair themselves faster. And that, of course, again ties into nutrition because the better the nutrition is, the more uh, that you can have Krebs cycle and everything else happen there to produce ATP. So. You just sort of have one circle that, you know, all these things have to work together. You know, um, I know we have um, listeners that are in the Western world. Yeah. And one thing that I have noticed, and it's not a, a criticism, it's just an observation. A lot of Western horses seem like their necks are stuck in one spot. Mm. Boy, you think? Uh, you know, and I can speak. I can speak freely about this because that's my past of being a Western rider. Uh, and uh, actually, I want to take this moment to plug uh, my my most current hero. Uh, there's a fellow out in the uh, West Coast, there, Nevada. His name is Nick Dowers, and I, I, uh, I uh, he actually just won that contest they have in Tennessee or Kentucky called Road to the Horse. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh, go Google Nick Dowers, D-O-W-E-R-S, and you'll see um, you'll see him uh, winning uh, the. Th- and again, with the Western horses, they ride them so hard, so young. Uh, mm-hmm. However, uh, Nick is showing his horse as a three-year-old in the Hackamore, which is no bit. I'm sorry, in the in the in the three-year-old with a snaffle, and then again, he won the next year in the Hackamore. And actually, that West Coast bridle horse thing is, is actually very similar to dressage when it's done properly. Uh, but the riding speaks for itself. If you watch that horse make his run, you'll see him elevated in the withers. You'll see a very free floating neck uh, that is, uh, you know, just above the level of the withers. Uh, and uh, so there are there is hope out there <laughs> with the Western type of riding. But um, I, it was very disheartening for me. There's there's a handful of Western. Uh, show strings that I still work on, but for the most part, um, I, I, I don't know. I, it, it's very difficult because uh, they almost have to have inflammation, uh, actually, um, because there's so much restriction of motion um, uh, that uh, the, the actual the congealing of the fascia actually makes the horse look more like what they want uh, to win. Oh, and that so, is interesting. Yeah. But now well, you, you couldn't that have actually, that for a barrel horse. I mean, that would be no, working against. Well, there are, uh, there are, uh, yeah, there are. I mean, you know, there's a lot. A lot of barrel horses are extremely in, inflamed. I mean, you know, their cycle is radically out of control. But the ones who win consistently, they have very beautiful athletes with a lot of movement in the ribcage. Yep. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. You know the. Uh, the, the really top quality Western show horses, they, they're able to move their ribs and so on, but they, you know, in, in defense of the Western world, a polo pony has to have some stiffness to him as yeah, well. Absolutely. Uh, because they, they lean them like motorcycles uh, to turn them. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, literally, you know, literally that's how it works. And, 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 and in nature, actually, uh, you know, I don't consider what I do to be natural healthcare because it's nothing like nature in nature. Uh, a horse runs at a diagonal and he has to be very stiff because 
the horse that has all the lateral movement and he has to actually waste energy to stabilize his spine to escape is the first one that's eaten. And the one that's stiff and can accelerate with no bend in his body is the one that gets away and reproduces. Um, so, uh, you know, it's kind of, it really I never is, thought you know, of it pre- that way. Uh, it, it's true. You know, a, a racehorse, you don't want to have a racehorse really flexible. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. They, yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, the, 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 the energy that is, that is uh, expended stabilizing that core to accelerate rapidly uh, is, you know, the, the horse is going to win that way. Which is counterintuitive when you think of the history of dressage being, you know, horses in war. And they certainly need to run away from, you know, sabers and you know, bombs. Uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting that you bring that up. Um, uh, uh, Shannon's husband, Stefan, um, I had heard this year that he is now warming up his horses with a Piaf. And uh, um, I, I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, he works with that fellow. Is he, I think he's a South American that's kind of a Piaf massage specialist. Matute? I forgot his name. Uh, no, it's a. It's another guy from California, but he tours to the Midwest here and so on. Uh, anyhow, uh, so Stefan is is warming some horses up. It's my understanding uh, with the Piaf, and um, I've been told that the history of that is is like like you said, when you're a dressage horse and you're in war. Um, I like that what Buck Brandman said. He said, "I think dressage started to go downhill when they stopped killing the the worst dressage riders." Um, (laughs) but you know so they're over the hill from the enemy and they have to be they have to be there quiet but they have to be ready to sprint and jump and do everything so in war they did do that's that's the basis of you know where piaf and passage came from is it, it loads that spring so that that horse can perform explosively at a moment's notice and uh um, so yeah, I, that that the history of dressage I think is is very interesting. Uh, I, there's something else I'd like to mention actually. Sure. Alrighty. Uh, um, it's been kind of a uh, family-wise a rough couple years or so. Um, uh, my sister died last year from what inflammation, and my mother died before that from inflammation and diet and uh, horrible, horrendous dietary mistakes. My father was hanging onto barely onto life now for the same reason. And as a result, um, my remaining sister and I uh, have decided to start uh, uh, a nutrition business. Uh, and we'd like to, to aim it primarily at horse people uh, because they seem to be actually much more motivated to take care of themselves. And um, uh, we're just getting that going. But if someone is interested in that program and, the uh, email for that is uh, we're going to call it winning with nutrition. Uh, and the email is winning with winning with nutrition now at gmail.com. So great. You're doing this, Mike, because yeah, that's awesome. Um, so many people need, need help and advice and guidance as to how to eat better and reduce inflammation in their own body. Well, Mike, we have to wrap up. If, if somebody would like to, you know, contact you and, and try to get in your schedule, which I know is booked, you know, weeks and months in advance, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Well, I'll give you the email, centardoc, C-E-N-T-A-U-R-D-O-C, at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being on Healthy Thank Critters, you. and I'll talk to you soon. We know that cleaners and products we use have a great impact on the well-being of our families, our animals, our farms, and the earth. Warhorse works to offer our customers naturally aggressive and fiercely kind cleaners that provide effectiveness, versatility, and value. And Warhorse does this with special combinations of simple, humble, but extraordinary plant oils that have no pesticides, no metals, no glyphosate, no petroleum, no sulfate ingredients, and no genetically modified organisms. Warhorse's equine pet and people soaps use an exclusive raw sunflower oil that retains its waxes, lecithin, and vitamin E. And add some skin-loving avocado, coconut, almond, and dead sea minerals, and you've got a buffet of healthy benefits 
for your farm family. All Warhorse cleaners are naturally aggressive on dirt and grime and fiercely kind to the most sensitive skin, even our pure gold and multi-purpose cleaners. So go ahead, get in the mud and get dirty. Warhorse has got your clean, a Warhorse kind of clean. Warhorse products are available at Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com or call us direct 1-800-686-9544. Wow. Patty. Hi, Hedwig. And Patty, Patty, and Tigger. Oh my goodness, it is lovely to hear your voices again. Sounds like oh. you had cheese. <laughs> I have not had cheese. Thank you for pointing out that misery oh. for me again. No problem. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? Um, Tigger got to have a little chocolate, and that made her happy. Neener, neener, neener. <laughs> I have a very good question for you. So, Hedwig, you travel a lot, right, with your your slave, or I mean servant, (laughs) or human. Servant, yes. What do you find to be the best type of music when you're traveling? What's good music for dogs to to relax to while they're driving on long trips? Well, they're not driving, but while the human is driving. Well, you never know. Do you think Hedwig can't drive? That's true. I'm I'm not permitted to drive due to some regulations that are short-sighted. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's another, that will be another question another time. <laughs> yes. Um, well, so to be frank, Patty, we listen to several different sorts of music. Um, also news. We listen to a lot of news. Um, uh, but then when the human gets tired, she turns on the radio and she starts to press the scan button and Apparently, she has the attention span of a gnat, which is not just borne out by the shoddy care paid to me and my sister, but also to the fact that she will punch that button six or seven hundred thousand times to find music from the decade known as the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I needed to know. What is your favorite song from the 80s? Yes. My favorite song is when the radio is off and she's not singing. <laughs> oh. But if you, if you had to listen to a song from the 80s, what would it be? What would you enjoy? Well, I am a fan of, of The Boss. Not just because he has the best name in rock and roll. And um, I do a relatively strong Billy Joel. And I am also a fan, let me tell you, of that Girls Just Want to Have Fun song, which I do an incredible version of. I am like a karaoke god when it comes to Cindy Lauper. Okay, so can you give us a few uh, bars of... uh... (laughs) Girls just want to have fun. You may regret this, Tigger, because you're going to just have this stuck in your head for a good long while now. I'm ready. But if, it, good- if, this is, if this is what you want, I mean, who am I to tell you? No. <laughs> you might be screaming no soon. But all right, no problem. Phone rings. In the middle of the night, my mama says, when you're going to put yourself right. Oh, Dad, I'm the fortunate one. And girls just want to have fun. Oh, girls just want to have fun. Bravo, Hedy. My, my face hurts. I'm just laughing so hard. <laughs> Me too. There's tears rolling down my cheeks. Oh, I my gosh. I sure if... you were going to be more of an ABBA type. Well... I um I do believe you answered my question amazingly. Yes. I Good did. to know yes. dogs like 80s. Okay, well, thanks, Hetty. Uh, keep on singing. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. And have some cheese.
We're with Sal Salvetti. He's a massage therapist for performance horses. He doesn't know this, but I refer to him as the massage therapist for the stars <laughs> because he works on many and most of the top dressage horses in the country. So, Sal, welcome to Healthy Critters Radio. Thanks for having me. I'm flattered. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, since you work on so many horses, what are among the common um, areas where y- you find horses tight or um, have problems that may be related to the sport that they do, the work that they do? Um, can vary a little bit with, with discipline. Uh, for instance, um, jumpers will tend to be more acutely tight in their shoulders as a result of simply absorbing impact. Um, but, um, all performance horses, I mean, really it's, it's, I'll, I'll find significant tightness in their back through their rib cage and torso, shoulders, neck, jaw, pole, hindquarters, really it potentially anywhere and everywhere. Is there, is there anything other than massage that riders can do to minimize this? Or is this really just the result of the work that the horses do? When I think when it gets extreme, um, I think that, that sometimes there needs to perhaps be some thought given to, um, the program itself and the schedule of work through a week, the preparation to horse shows, how much horse showing, how you do horse show, um, and, uh, and, and try to incorporate variety and cross training. And, and in particular in dressage, where you have the most opportunity for maximum effort with repetition, um, it, you need to be really careful about varying the work. And I find that, I think that a lot of what I, what I find is, um, sometimes that's, um, lost a little bit, understandably, you know, I, I do understand how that happens, but, um, sometimes people need to remember that, uh, and and approach it like a human athlete would. Yeah. It's, it's where you incorporate traveling, the loss of their regular routine. Um, and, and you, so you have to look at, at the program, you have to look at the rider if it's, uh, often, you know, you have to look at the rider, um, frankly. And, and, and especially with the amateurs, I, 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 I know what it's like to be an amateur and riding a horse and, and we're not professionals. So, you know, we have to be, I think amateurs need to be honest with themselves of, of how they may be contributing to physical issues that the horses may be having. And then, you know, which also ultimately also brings us to, um, to Biostar and Tigger's program. And oh, I like the way you segged into that. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you you have to um, consider everything from a holistic approach. You have to consider the, the training program and the riding program. You also have to consider the rider. Uh, yeah, but it's more challenging, I think, for an amateur to not interfere with the horse. Um, and you have to also considering the holistic approach, look at, you know, everything about the management of the horse and its program, including the feed. And that's what I mean about a holistic approach. And that's something that everyone can do, not just the number one horse, number one ranked horse in the country, but also the adopted off the track thoroughbred in someone's backyard. You can, you too can have a holistic approach just as the top riders and trainers do. So Sal, how, when you find things, whether it's an amateur or professional, how is it difficult to have to make some suggestions? Cause you were talking a lot about doing different types of cross training and variety and training. And, you know, as you know, us trainers can get real pigheaded on what we think is right. And even though we call in people like you, I mean, how hard, how difficult is that for you to say and make these suggestions? It's about- all about having a conversation and an open dialogue. Mm-hmm. And the clients I have are the ones that I get along the best with. They're right. the ones that, you know, want to hear what I feel. Right. Um, they're the ones who realize that I'm trying to give the horse another voice and that they understand that m- from my perspective is different from their perspective. 
which is different from the groom's perspective. And we have an open and honest dialogue. What we're all in this for is, is, uh, is to optimize results, which includes optimizing the performance and happiness of the horses that's included. Well, I think it's so neat how everybody is getting more about the whole horse, you know what I mean? And now that there are, I mean, you know, here you go, take another seg into this, but just how people are getting more, um, everybody, the chiropractors, the massage therapists, I mean, the farriers, everybody is now being so much more about the, the nutrition. And I think that's making these horses that are becoming more incredibly, uh, athletic and doing more demanding things than they did even 15 years ago. Um, I think we're supporting them so much better now too, because we have more knowledge. Well, I don't think you can have a high performance horse without the support team of, you know, massage and chiropractic. Oh, absolutely. Excellent farrier and an excellent training program. I'm going to jump in there and say you can't have a backyard horse without that kind of stuff anymore. Well, that's yeah, true. that's true. That's true. Coming from but somebody it, with a backyard and, horse, <laughs> and, and 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 a backyard person is is going to assemble a team, hopefully, like uh, like like a, a top professional would. Yeah, uh, you know, you do the best with what you have that's available to you. And yeah. you know, look, so much of this is about awareness and keeping your eyes open, and you know, being honest with yourself about what you see and feel from your horse, and uh, and, and making decisions from from there it's it's being aware and thinking about it and having that be a subject in your thought as you're with your horse and and doing what you do with your horse it's uh you know you don't necessarily want your earbuds in all the time and you know you want to be paying you 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 really want to be paying attention and and listening to to all the signs here here yeah here here well sal if if somebody wants to um talk to you and uh, make an appointment uh, is the best place to reach you, your website, salmassage.com? Well, or really text me or call me. Um, and, and my phone number is on that website. Um, and I, I can be reached easily at area code 978-502-2232. Well, and, we will uh, have you back, Sal, to talk more in depth about... Um, massage and you you showed me us uh these strips oh what are they they're, they're the tape and the kinesiology tape yeah <gasps> oh my kinesiology god tape. that is amazing <laughs> stuff so we need to talk about that we need to have you back and we'll talk about kinesiology tape there are so many things we can talk about. I really have. We can have you on multiple lots times. of times. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I love it. Thanks, Sal. In our segment on critter nutrition, I want to talk about um, intuition. Because in our high-tech world of bites and data, we can forget that there's another avenue of communication that isn't cellular or vocal or run by computer processors. It's intuition. In my opinion, it is one of the most important avenues of communication with animals. It is the little voice that says, something is not right with my horse. When everyone around you is saying, oh, your horse is fine. It is that whisper that says, I don't feel good about feeding this. Or, he seems fine, but I feel he may have ulcers. We horse owners spend a lot of time in our heads. Riding is a thinking sport. Competitions are as much a mind game as a physical endeavor for both horse and rider. And yet when we get out of our heads and we just feel, we are in that zone of connectedness with our horse, in the moment, present, intuitive. Some of the best trainers and competitors that I know have the ability to let the feeling direct the thinking brain rather than the other way around. They feel what the horse is telling them. The best veterinarians are, in my opinion, the most intuitive. Listening to their intuition gives them the freedom to step out of the box, particularly with complicated cases that don't fit a prescribed paradigm of treatment. The intuitive veterinarians also seem to be the first to start linking chronic health issues with certain medications or protocols and revise dosing, even if that is not what the drug companies advocate. 
Most of us are not encouraged to listen to our intuition. I think this is because our high-tech lifestyle disconnects us from our intuitive feelings. And we are bombarded by the black, white, right, wrong, good, bad duality of judgment that leaves no room for gray or blue or green or red or a rainbow. Now, before you think I've lapsed into the hippie phase of my youth or that I've been listening to too many Grateful Dead songs, let me just say that it is the animals that are constantly reminding me of nonverbal communication, of intuition. Intuition is an awareness that is absent of rational thinking. And while we think of science as being the bastion of rational thinking, some prominent scientists have maintained that intuition is associated with innovation and scientific discovery. I feel that animals are communicating with us through our intuition. I find for myself that when my brain is fluttering around, chattering like a magpie, or I am stressing, I have a harder time hearing my intuition and hearing the dogs and horses. Trusting our intuition is particularly important when it comes to horse care, feeding, choosing supplements, to knowing when the horse has had enough work for the session, or when to teach new things, or what is really going on with the stoic horse that our intuition is telling us something's not quite right. What I love about intuition is that everybody has it, yet we are conditioned to ignore it, mistrust it, and avoid it. Not so long ago, I was giving a seminar on whole food, and a doctor in the audience wanted to know how to adjust the whole food diet for each horse. I advised him, use your intuition. He was in shock. You would have thought I had told him to run around the room naked. But he really taught me in that moment, we have to let go of the instruction manual in order to hear the horses. Listening to our intuition does not discount or displace our rational thinking or our observational acuities. It is simply another source of information and communication. Listen to it. Trust it. Celebrate it. Don't be afraid to trust what your intuition is whispering in your ear. Well, ladies, it is time for us to have our coffee clatch. And my favorite part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Um, I just wish I, I actually had coffee. But so um, our topic of the day is our favorite uh, grooming supplies or products or or whatever we use in our grooming. And Tigger, of course, I know what you're thinking at this moment. <laughs> Patty P, what do you know about this? You shut up, Tigger. <laughs> you shut you up. You haven't right? groomed a horse in years. That is that is actually not true because this morning after you said that to me and I went to the barn and I actually groomed Stu and I thought, I'm going to take a picture and send it to her. <laughs> but it was only for two or three seconds, so it didn't. <laughs> but that is true. I have not um, groomed a horse um, as everybody else does in a long time, mainly because I'm riding so many of them that if I don't have wonderful people helping me, that I wouldn't be able to do it. But um, I do have some things that I like. But Tigger, I'd like you to start this off. What is it? That, what is your favorite thing? Well, my favorite thing is Warhorse shampoo. Mm. I could bathe everything and I could I'd like to bathe my chickens in warhorse shampoo I probably could I just like smelling it I I, you know I used to use cowboy magic Mm -hmm. and um oh my god remember at the barn patty we used um that oh um, human products on the tail and yeah I you know I I've let go of all that. Have you, you've let go. <laughs> I have, and I just love Warhorse. I think that is the best shampoo for dogs and horses, period, end of story. I have to tell you, I love, I love my, sh- my Warhorse shampoo. I love it. I love the way it smells. I love the way it feels. I love the way it, it And the know, way it cleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can and just you put it on a white leg and it turns it white. You don't remember that stuff we used to use that was blue? Yeah. You don't oh, have yeah. to use that. Mm-hmm. It's great. No, it is good stuff. And they shine like unbelievable. Well, and you know, I've had so many grays. Um, I have not um I have not used it intensely in Stu's tail because he does tend to get um mildly filthy. <laughs> mildly. Um, uh, you might want to tell our listeners who Stu is. It's, Stu it's is Stu being. is my um my very, very dirty gray pre 
And, um, I've been, I bought the shampoo, um, after we had them on the show and, um, I have been using it ever since. And I really, I, I love, I love the way it feels. Um, I haven't tried to do it to get them white, white. Cause you know, y- you like to get them white, white. Um, so I'm gonna have to try that. I mean, you know what I mean? I do it just, to, I, I do it because I know it's just nice. Um, cause it's so hot here and I like to just make sure I get all the sweat off and I like their skin to be clean. And, um, and I just, and, love the and, and you know what, the emollient in that shampoo mm. is so good for their skin. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that, so obviously that's one that we both choose. <laughs> Jennifer. And how about you, Jennifer? <laughs> I have a favorite grooming tool that has uh, fallen out of favor in recent decades. And I think we need to return to it. It's the cactus cloth. The cactus cloth. Everybody needs to have cactus cloth. I don't, is that that, that, that rough kind of cloth? Yes, and it's hard it's to find sort of like nowadays. A it's well, it's a, not really. Imagine taking, you know, what sisal twine is? No, you lost me. Okay, um, old-fashioned Baylor twine. Yeah, yeah. Before they got with the plastic kind, old-fashioned Baylor twine is a similar texture to sisal, which is indeed similar to cactus cloth, and it's. Um, before they had rubber curries, this uh-huh. is what you used instead of a rubber curry. Because uh-huh. back in the day, you had a metal curry. And the metal curry was used to clean oh, the I bristle brushes, those. right? Oh, yeah. But oh, you yeah. daresn't use your metal curry on the hide of your horse. Right. But you had to curry him. Yep. And that's what a cactus cloth was, was for. And a cactus cloth is a lovely, wonderful, multi-purpose tool, my favorite kind. When it's dry... You can scrub with it, and it is a fantastic currying device. You can use it on the big, fat, fleshy parts of the horse as well mm-hmm. as the nooks and crannies mm. because it's imminently foldable. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's cool. But it is fantastic for really bringing out the shine. For example, Stu, mm-hmm. who loves to get really dirty and therefore needs bathed a lot, once he is completely dry... Yeah. If you massage his hide in the direction of the hair right. thoroughly with a cactus cloth, you will get a brilliant and natural shine. Well, that's so funny because you reminded me of something that I learned when I was grooming racehorses. And that was um, when the I learned rub how... rag. Yeah, but when you learn how to truly the differences in what the brushes mean and how and yep. how you're supposed to use them, but when you know you whisk the one out and then you're supposed to rub them down to pull the oils out, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and I know a hundred people still do that all the time. Um, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, but I don't know if you guys remember this at all. Um, they used to always tell me to use alcohol, a little bit of alcohol, to pull the oils out. Do you remember hearing that at all? Really rub in and, you know, it was supposed to be good for their muscles as well, but that was supposed to help pull the oil out it's with that type really of a cloth. Drying. You yeah. don't want to pull the oils out. Yeah. Right. You, but that's what, that's what I was told. I mean, remember up as, yeah. as a little yeah. girl going, huh, that's really weird. Alcohol I mean, is good for everything when you have a racehorse, apparently. Yeah, I think yeah. so. You just buy that stuff by the 50 gallon drum. <laughs> We're talking about the white stuff, right? Not <laughs> just checking. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. The isopurple kind, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually have a, had a rub rag on. on my list of favorite grooming tools. There you go. I have yeah. an assortment of rub rags. I'm a towel person. Because they, I love rub it. Yeah. I love. And and you know what? There's an art to using a rub rag. And mm-hmm. I go into a lot of barns and I never see the amount of rub rags that we, you used to see used to, 20 yeah. years ago. We, mm-hmm. I think it's because we really depend a lot more on the spray hose than we used to. I, I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. In fact, years ago, um, one of them, oh, I wish I could remember her name, and she was one of the top hunter grooms, and she came to groom for um, a, a, a girl that rode with Robert, and I can't remember her name either. But anyway, she always said, um, there's too many, and we were in Florida, and she said, you know, too many people, when they get done, they're hosing the horses off. And <clears throat> she said, I walk them around, I let their coats dry, and I curry it, and then I rub it off. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that is a lot. When she only had four horses to worry about. And let me tell you, those horses were amazing. But um, – yeah, I, I think that you're right, Jennifer. I think too many people go to the hose. It's a lot easier to hose them off, and and, and you know, and that spray causes on some trouble. shiny stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah. that causes problems with it, their feet. I mean, yep. I'm forever yep. hearing, um, yep. you know, blacksmiths and farriers going, hey, can we not, you know, hose them off that one day? And it's like, ah, hey, you got, you know, we're always thinking we've got to get. But I think there, you know, if you can let them dry and really put your muscle into it. And it help, and I think the horses love it too because it's like a little massage. And yeah. and may I add, and I know this isn't popular, but dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know I can't wait. Tigger, I can't can you wait. imagine Tigger saying something that's got, might not be popular? <laughs> no, I cannot. Go for it, Tigger, be brave. <gasps> that if you can not hose your ho- horse off a, on one day and let him go out and frickin' roll in the mm. sand, in the dirt, in the whatever, to get his to allow that horse to get the the soil organisms into his coat Mm -hmm. and yes he's gonna look dirty and filthy and but when it dries and when you you know groom it off it's so much better for the horse I'm not saying do this every day but so often, I mean, I, it's happened to me. I wash the horse and then I want him to have some grass and then I just turn him out and then he starts rolling and then I have a heart attack and I have to start all over again. But I, I think in light of the fact that too much bathing is not good, particularly for the feet and really not for the coat unless you're using war horse where you're always getting emollients, um, let your horse get some good soil organisms in his coat. Mm. There you go. Yeah, what, now, what you haven't chiped in yet, Patty? What's your favorite? Um, well, I have. Um, I I have a, a grooming thing that I've always liked, and that is, you know, those they're mitts that you put on with the little tiny. Oh yeah, I love them. The little nubbies. I, yeah, little nubbies. I just have always liked them because you can get into the nooks and crannies in their legs, and um, you know, I've always had a lot of stallions and, you know, stallions are always moving their hind feet around. And so a lot of times, you know, they're, they just get grungy in their legs. And again, I'm always trying not to hose them off too much, but I, um, I just love that because it gets really down into the skin and, and works now, the dirt. Now, there, there are lots of nubby gloves out there. Do you have a favorite nubby glove? You know, it's funny. I kept, I looked, I, I don't, it's just a one you put on. It's generally, it, I found it in blue and red and I have, it's just a stupid little mitt, you know. Oh, it's the traditional old fashioned mitt. Okay. Yeah. It's the one yeah. that has the, the fingertips chopped off. It's yes. shaped like a mitten. Yes. Okay. So Absolutely. you're old school there. I Really old school. I've okay. always really liked that. There always really liked that. Um, and that's it does come in favorite. a myriad of colors. It does. It does. Uh, my favorite has always been blue and red. Just going to put that out there. Okay. Always love those. Good to know. Um, um, yeah, so that's one of my favorite. And I really love a really nice soft brush yep. to whisk around the face and yep. get behind their ears. And I, I really, yep. really like that. It's, it's a finishing brush. Mm-hmm. That's how I think of it. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I mean, I just love that. I, I, um, I always feel like you can get the rest of that dirt off or, um, and uh, again, it just always makes their coat look so good. I learned, a, this is a, a fun little trivia tidbit. Hmm. I was chatting with a brush manufacturer once, um, huh. trying to remember what brush brand it was, and it's not coming to me. I'm, as, I'm sort as of a, long as it wasn't Fuller Brush. There <laughs> 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 we go. Um, actually, I think it's a company that was once owned by Fuller Brush, but I'm, a, huh. I'm kind of a brush snob. Mm-hmm. And I was chatting with him about how brushes are made and how you can tell one brush from another brush. And if you look at the cut edge of the bristles on your brush, kind of mm-hmm. hold it up to the horizon. A finishing brush will look perfectly smooth and flat, and a cleaning brush, they will be uneven. They will have uh, some uh, longer bristles sense. and some shorter. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I never knew that because he was trying to explain to me why finishing brush A was different than finishing brush B, and they were both just as soft as one another. And he said, well, look at this one. And I looked at the bottom, and and I held it up, and it was just perfectly smooth. And I held, he held the other one up, and you could see that some of the bristles were a tiny bit longer than other bristles. And he said, well, those are going to get down between the hairs and lift dirt uh, up. So your horse is not going to look as shiny. When you use this one, all it does is take the dust off the top. It does not separate the hairs, and your horse will look super shiny much faster if you use that one. Interesting. Uh, yeah. There you go. I never knew that. And he was, it was just fascinating. So there you go. Cool. So, Tigger, what else you got? My one other, th- my must-have 
in my grooming box is something that you will recognize almost instantly because we hmm. were going to write a book about it. Oh. 101 uses for coconut oil. Oh, my gosh. She doesn't love <laughs> coconut oil. Yes, it's true. And I think we got well into the thousands, didn't we? We, we did. Because it was amazing. And in fact, just, Tigger, just today, I cannot believe you're saying that. Just today, um, I, you know, when your horses lay down a lot, which is a good thing when they lay down, um, and they get little crusty elbows, um, I had a horse that was standing there going, huh, I got to go get my coconut oil and, and rub that on there. That is yep. probably my, one of my, I, I, I'm mad at myself for not thinking of that. That's probably one of my number one all-time favorite I thought favorite for things. sure it would be on your list. I, you know, I was, I, I was thinking more implements rather than that. And, mm-hmm. um, that is my favorite thing. <gasps> now tell me, help me because I'm not, I'm not a coconut oil aficionado. Well, now, what, explain to me where, what kind of coconut oil, just give me more information about coconut oil. Well, so Tigger, Tigger is the one that totally turned me on to this because I used to, I, you know, would put it in the horse's feed. But um, she, what she had suggested, and we did this with her horse, Pie, um, oh my gosh, and he had the most beautiful black coat. But we would take um, just regular coconut oil, and Tigger has um, her opinions of which one she likes better than others. And believe me, I still avoid that one brand, Tigger, because <laughs> she didn't like it. Um, and um, you can take like a, you know, I guess like a teaspoonful and put it in a little bit of a warm water. And after you've washed your horse and rinsed them all off, you take this and you can sponge it on and just leave it on and just sweat scrape it off. And they will have a gloss oh, and a gleam like you won't believe. It's and silky and just. It's actually more than a teaspoon. How much <laughs> do you do? I, I, I use a glob. A, a glob? <laughs> Is, you know, is that you, is that a metric or? Uh... <laughs> well, but it, keep in mind, I'm in Houston where it doesn't stay solidified, so I'm always going. So, I mean, I I I just okay. Plug, so I that, plug. that that if but now in the summer in most places it will be oil because of it, it's warm yeah. enough. So you know, just pour a glub into a bucket, add water, dilute it, sponge it all over, and your horse will shine better than. Any product you can buy on the market. And it's antibacterial. Now I have an important detail question. We're going to drill down a little bit. Uh, Scooter has one of those wifty little tails with with not enough hair. Mm -hmm. So I'm always struggling to keep it easy to comb because Glenn likes to comb his tail because it's pretty. But keep it conditioned and healthy at the same time. How would I use coconut oil on his tail? So you would dilute the coconut oil bathe his tail in it, and then rinse it really well. Oh, so I rinse it out afterwards. Okay. Yeah, you, uh, and like when, even when you use it on their coat, you're going to put it on. I like to let the horse stand there for, you know, a couple minutes. Then rinse, rinse scrape, and the shine will blind you. Okay, so his tail is clean. Do I use the same ratio, one glump per bucket of water? Yeah, you could do a couple of yeah. tails with that. Okay, one glump per bucket of water. But you don't want to do it. use it in the main if you're going to braid yeah. in the next day or two. Yeah, or <laughs> week. Well, or you know, week. he's got he's got that naturally frizzy hair, and so it needs conditioning to keep it from being frizzly and brittly, brittle. Mm-hmm. So I would wash it in Warhorse for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a given. And he's got oil. four white socks, too. Yummy. And mm. then... Condition yeah, it with the diluted coconut. So I'm going to try the coconut oil on Scooter's mane and tail. And I'm going to try it on Nigel's forelock because he's got kind of a, a, again, frizzy little red hair kid forelock. And it's great for scratches. Oh, really? Oh, it's to great. Apply yeah. it directly for scratches. There you go. And if you, um, in the winter, if you just, you can do the same thing, you know, if you have little elbow stuff or, you know, whatever, if you have little dry spots. And if your lips are dry, you can also use it on your lips. The coconut oil, not the warm. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh no, it's great, truly great. Or if you get, or you get dry hands. I mean, I, it's endless. It's <laughs> endless. One uses. Oh my gosh, I mean, I mean, uses. it it was it was ongoing, and you can. Oh, it just yeah, it's ongoing. There what you go. can do. So so in uh, in conclusion, our coffee clutch. We need to have in our grooming kits uh, an assortment of warhorse products. For yes. us and our horses, because I love my war horse in in my house, and my my horses don't get any of it. Thank you very much. It's all for me. <laughs> yeah, coconut oil in all of its one hundred and one uses. Yep. Yes, a your favorite pimply grooming glove of choice mm-hmm. in your favorite mm-hmm. color, mm-hmm. 
and a, a cactus, of cactus cloth. cloth. Cactus cloth, yeah. There you go. Get one of those. There you go. And you can find anything on Amazon. Yeah, you can. Because I looked up the I kept looked up the cactus closet as we were talking. I was like, there it is. Know. There you go. All right. Well, that that concludes our coffee clutch. Da da da. Da da da. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, BioStar US. You can find them online at BioStarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. And chipping with your chipmunks. (laughs) 